Hey, do any of you guys listen to the Dave Ramsey radio show? Anybody you familiar with it at least? You know, Dave, um, really, he, he's written a lot of books, does this uh, Financial Peace University. He's all about um, biblical financial principles, and his ultimate goal is for everybody to be debt-free. And um, from time to time, usually like every, every evening, he'll have somebody either call in or show up in the studio and they'll do a debt-free scream, right? Like they paid off all their debt and, and they're just excited and celebrating this and they'll come on and they'll count down three, two, one, and they'll say, we're debt-free and scream it out at the top of their lungs. And I got to tell you, like there's something really encouraging and, and really, uh, you know, just kind of tantalizing about that, like you're thinking, I would love to be debt-free. Wouldn't you just completely debt-free, no financial care in the world, so to speak? Well, um, as great as that would be, did you know that there is one debt that none of us will ever pay off? The Bible talks about there's one debt that we will always owe. And so we want to take a look at that this morning. What is that one debt that we will always owe? Now, we're going to be in um, Romans chapter 13 still. We're going to look at verses 8 through 10 together. If you've got a church Bible you want to follow along, it's page 1123. I believe that's where it begins. And if you were here last week and we were talking about how we were called to submit to our governing authorities and how actually they've been instituted by God and you thought that was a hard pill to swallow, well, you may choke this morning, all right? Because this is a really tough message. Um, I, I think it's a difficult one for me, and I'm guessing it's going to be a difficult one for you as well. So uh, buckle up. Here we go. We're in uh, Romans 13, beginning of verse 8. It says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. That's a hard one to swallow. You know, it... It says that we have this obligation to pay our debts. I mean, that's not so hard. But here's, here's the thing. Um, despite the fact that those require discipline and self-control and, and, and really even self-sacrifice, th this greater call, this greater commandment, it, it requires the utmost discipline and, and self-control and self-sacrifice. It, it's this call to love others, to love others like we want to be loved. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. And so um, if you thought last week's message was tough, I, I think you're going to find this week's even more difficult to, to really um, embrace and, and then to live it out. Now, um, the command to love your neighbor as yourself, it's actually an ancient command. Um, it's evidently been around for thousands of years. Moses wrote it down in Leviticus 
chapter 19, verse 18. That's the first place in the Bible that we find this command. But then we see it elsewhere, like it's repeated a number of times, especially in the New Testament. And even Jesus himself repeats this command. You may recall if you've gone through the, uh, the, the New Testament and, and some of Jesus' life and his stories, he was always at odds with these, these religious leaders known as the Pharisees, and they were always trying to trip him up, you know. And, and so there was this one interaction he had, and they were, they were trying to trap him. Really, And so they asked him this question, what is the greatest commandment of all? Because not only did they have the Ten Commandments, which they were all trying to follow, but they made all kinds of other, hundreds of other commands out there too. And so they were trying to trap them. And um, Matthew and Mark and Luke, all, they all record this encounter. So I want to share with you just a short bit that uh, Matthew recorded here. This is in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. So this is one of the Pharisees speaking. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. On these two commandments. Now, the reason these two commandments are so critical and really sum up all of the other law, all the other commands, if you will is because they address our relationship with God. That's this vertical relationship, and it addresses our relationship with others. That's the horizontal relationship. And so if you look at the first four commands of, of the Ten Commandments, they have everything to do with our relationship with God. How do we maintain a good and right relationship with God? And then if you look at the remaining six you'll see that they have everything to do with our relationship with others. How do we maintain this, this excellent, unified relationship with others? And um, that's why these two commands are so important. Now, oftentimes, um, you know, if you talk to people about Christianity, they just think it's, it's a bunch of rules, that it, it's boring, it, it's burdensome, it's all about, you know, the things that, you should do, and, and mainly about all these things that you're not All these don'ts, right? Like, do this, don't do that. Well, thanks, Ezra. The, uh, but here's the thing. In Romans 13, God's addressing this horizontal relationship. That's his focus here. It's not so much on our relationship with God, the vertical it's on the horizontal, the relationship with others. Now, um, look at verse 9 with me. It, it begins, it says, The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. They're all summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and I love, this is my favorite part of this verse here. Uh, Paul says, and, and whatever other command there may be, and whatever other one, and, and I like that, because I, I think the point he's making is, I don't really need to point out every single command out there that has to do with your relationship with other people and how to maintain a good relationship with them. The bottom line is just love everyone. Love your neighbor as yourself, and who's your neighbor? Whoever's near you actually qualifies as your neighbor. 
Think about that. Whoever is your, near you qualifies as your neighbor. And so if you're focused on just loving others, which is basically everyone, well, you don't really have to worry about the command not to commit adultery because you're, you're just focused on loving other people and adultery wouldn't be a loving thing, right? And, and you certainly wouldn't have to worry about murder because you're not going to murder someone that you love or, or you're not going to steal from them or covet them. See, the beautiful thing, it's not focused on all these don'ts. It's really just focus on this do. If you focus on doing, on loving others, well, you won't have to worry about anything else. Don't worry about memorizing all the commands and all the things you can't do. Just focus on this one thing, this one little easy thing. Love everybody. Love your neighbor. Now, it, it sounds easy, and I, I wish it were easy, but it, it really isn't. You know, if you think about it, this, this type of love, what does it look like? And, and as you study it, you, you come to realize that this this. This love that they're talking about, it, it's more than just a feeling, right? All right. The, uh, so anyhow, it's more than a feeling. This is like throwback to the 80s day, I, I think. You know, it's more than a feeling. And so that's in, incredibly important to realize. So there, there are eight different words in the Greek. So the New Testament, just to make sure you know, in the New Testament, that's in Greek. The Old Testament, Hebrew. So we're in the New Testament, and they're talking about love. It's Greek. Did you know there's eight different words for love in Greek? We got this one. We're just pretty pathetic as, as English people. You know, we got like one word for love. They got eight. And, and here, here's a list of like the different types of love it describes, um, all these different types. Sexual love. There's, there's this brotherly or friendship kind of love. There's a playful love. There's a long-standing love. There's a love for self. There's a familial love. And then there's an obsessive love. But the love that is being described here, this word is agape. Agape love is this godly, it's a divine type of love. It's, it's only found in God and through God. It is a sacrificial, unconditional, never-ending kind of love. This is not a kind of love that, that we naturally possess. It is not a, a kind of love that we can just naturally share with others. It's a kind of love that you can only um, possess if you first experience it from God. And, and then you've embraced it through a relationship with Jesus, and you've invited him to come into your life through the power of his spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and he doesn't leave, it, that's why it's this never-ending, unconditional, sacrificial kind of love. He comes and he lives within you, and he comes bearing gifts. And, and you guys have probably heard of the fruit of the spirit well, if you go to Galatians chapter 5 and you begin reading these, if you begin in, in verse 22, the very first fruit that you're going to see is love. It's love. And it's this agape kind of love. It's a divine love. And you can't possess it unless you have embraced Jesus Christ and God himself has come to live within you. But then God can begin to live and love through you. You can now not only experience, but extend this kind of love to others. And that's what we're called to do. That's the kind of love we're to have for our neighbors. And 
you know, it, it's difficult. That, you know, I, I think about that, and, and oftentimes I'm not all that excited about it, to be honest. Like the idea of loving your neighbor would be nice, wouldn't it, if it was just like, you know, you bring them cookies and you watch their dog when they're on vacation. Like, if, wouldn't that be nice if that's all it meant to love your neighbor? But it means so much more than that. It's so much more involved than that. And again, who's your neighbor? Your neighbor is the person that lives next door or on your block or whatever, but your neighbor also is the person or persons that you live with in your house. They are your neighbor, and you're supposed to love them. And, and your neighbor's your boss, and your neighbor's your coworker in the cubicle next to you. And, and your neighbor is, is that student that you sit next to in class or don't sit next to in class. That your neighbor is actually that person that was tailgating you on the way to church. Like, that's your neighbor, and you're supposed to be loving your neighbor, right? And so that's hard, isn't it? But God describes what this kind of love is supposed to look like in a practical way. And, and, and in some ways, I'm, I'm glad he's done that for us. In other ways, I'm not so glad because it becomes that much more challenging, right? Like, now you know what is expected of you. And, and he lists this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 4 through 7. We see the description of this kind of agape, divine love, this sacrificial, unconditional, never-ending kind of love. And so it says this, this kind of love, it, it's patient. It's patient. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy it doesn't boast. It's not proud. This kind of love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps, it keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. This, this love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And, and listen to this, it always, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Whew. How you doing? How you doing with that kind of love? Are you loving your neighbor with that kind of love? Are, are, are you loving yourself even? With that kind of love. How are you doing when you look at what this kind of love is? Now, I, I've got some good news for you because I'm guessing you're not doing great. Well, you got the rest of your life to work on it because this is a debt that you will forever owe. <laughs> like, you are forever called to love others like this. And if you haven't mastered it yet, you got plenty of time to work on it because it's never going away. The command is always to continue to love others like this. And that's humbling, and it's difficult, and I wish it weren't so, right? Like when I, I think about this, I, I wish, again, like loving my neighbor just meant like giving them cookies and waving when I went by, right? Like not even stopping, I just want to wave, you know, acknowledge their presence. Hey, good to see you, love you, gone. You know, I wish it was that simple to love your neighbor. Or, or how about loving your, your kids? Like, what, what if it's just like showing them grace? Wouldn't it be great if it's just like, I'm just going to show them a little grace this time and overlook that, that mishap. And you were done. You're good. 
It's more than that. Or how about loving your spouse? What if it was just like, just give them a little peck on the forehead, tell them you love them and hug them for 60 seconds because I think that's what's required of us statistically, you know, to really feel loved. <laughs> you know, like when I'm hugging Carolyn, I'm like watching like this. The, uh, and she knows it too. That's the worst part. You know, like I got to learn to play that off a little better. But you know, like wouldn't it be nice if that's all it meant to love your neighbor? But it doesn't. It's so much more. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional. And it's never-ending. That's the kind of love we're called to extend to everyone. To everyone. Now, if we're honest, I think we don't want to love like that. Now, we want to be loved like that. Don't you want to be loved like that? Like, I want to be loved like that, but I don't really want to love like that. And I don't think you do either. I, I think most of us would, would much prefer to be impatient. I think we prefer to be impatient. Like, imagine you're, you're at the grocery store and you get into the express line, you know, where it says 10 items or less, right? And someone in there in front of you, you're counting. You're like, that's 15. And it says 10, right? And so you're a little impatient with them, Right? We, we prefer to be impatient until we're the one up there and, and we actually have the 15 items, but we justify, don't we? Because six of them are packets of tuna, right? You know, and if you got six of the same thing, well, that's really like one item, right? And so you don't want people to be impatient with you, but we tend to be impatient with others, don't we? But love is patient. And, and it says love's kind, but don't we prefer to be unkind I think we do. Like, have you been to the airport and you're rushing to make that connection and all of a sudden they just shut the door and you were like, no, you know, and you're sweating, you've, you've been running and you see the airplane hadn't left. The airplane is still there and that jetway is still connected to it. And you're like, please just let me on. And, and they're like, I'm sorry, the door has been closed and it cannot be reopened. Well, you know, that's a lie. Because at the other end, they got to reopen that door to get the people off. And so you want to be unkind to this person that's working at the airport, don't you? That's your natural reaction. Unless you're on the plane and you're like, oh, I'm glad they shut that door. I'm ready to go. And you see those people, you know, with a face stuck up against the window. You're like, sucker. The, uh, like, you don't really care. You don't love them, right? That's kind of the love that we tend to have, or how about it says that it's not envious. Well, we tend to be envious, don't we? So somebody gets that promotion that you wanted, and you're envious of them, and, and you're thinking, I, I don't really think they deserve that like I do, you know, and they don't work as hard as I do, and there's this envy, right? Until you're the one that gets the promotion, and, and you don't want people being envious of you. You want them celebrating and encouraging you, right? See, we struggle with this type of love. Or, or how about the last part there in, in that section where it said, um, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Well, if we're honest, don't we prefer to keep a record of wrongs? Like, don't you want to have that list just ready? Because if somebody accuses you of doing something wrong, you're like, whoa, whoa. Remember on June 3rd when you did this? It, uh, let me just give you a laundry list 
of all the different wrongs you've done to me so that maybe you just overlooked this one. And, and we like that. We want to keep a record of wrongs. That's the kind of love we t- tend to um, be drawn to until our spouse, you know, rolls out the scroll you know, of all the wrongs that we have done, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like you said, you forgave me for those things. You're not supposed to keep a record of wrongs, right? We, we want to be loved like that, but we really struggle to love like that, don't we? And yet that's the call. That's the debt that we have to pay, that forever and ever we're to love others, to love our neighbors with that kind of sacrificial, unconditional, never-ending kind of love. And it's the kind of love that you don't possess naturally. It's the kind of love that you can only extend once you've received it. Now, think about this. It, it, I'll quit beating on you here in a second, but the, uh, like, it keeps going after that. I should just stop, but you know, it says this kind of love, it always protects others, and it always trusts others. That's hard to do, isn't it? And, and it always hopes for the best for others, and it, it always perseveres. It always perseveres. And so I just want to encourage you, like that's the kind of love that, that God has for you. That's the kind of love that he has for me, and that's the kind of love that hopefully you've experienced and that you now possess. And if you ever question it, um, we were, when we were going through what we call the Romans Road, we covered this. We showed how, how God demonstrated his love for us. If you look at Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he didn't wait for us to, to prove our worthiness of that kind of love. No. None of us are worthy of that kind of love, and yet that's the love of God. That's the love that God has demonstrated to each and every one of us through Jesus Christ. It's not based on our worthiness. See, that's why it's called grace. We receive what we don't deserve, and we all long for grace to be shown to us, don't we? Don't you love it when somebody is graceful towards you? And don't you love it when you experience this kind of love coming from somebody that is not based on your worthiness? It's just based on God's goodness. And so that is why we love like this, because we've been loved like this by Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. That's the hope that we have. And here's the other thing. Sometimes... if you listen to this and, and you think about loving our neighbor as ourself and that that's a debt that we can never pay off, we always owe that. We're called to love that way all the time. You can just feel like, well, that's so burdensome. It's so burdensome. And, and yet I, I want to remind you that it wasn't a burden for Jesus. Remember two weeks ago we were outside, hopefully you were with us, and I shared just from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, and it said this, it said, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so um, as, as Jesus was suffering for us, as he was loving us with this kind of love, he didn't see it as a burden. He saw it as a joy. You are his joy. And here's the thing, your neighbor 
It's his joy also. And our attitude will directly impact how we feel about this. We could look at this, this command to love our neighbors as ourselves and just think that's incredibly burdensome. Or we can look at it through God's perspective, through God's eyes and say, that's a joy. Like it's a joy. Like I've experienced this joy personally. And, and now I get to, on behalf of Jesus, I get to love others. What a joy to be given this opportunity. Now I want to share with you um, how there was one time that I actually did that, that I, I made this choice. Because it's a choice. It's a choice that you have. And um, we were going on a mission trip to the Philippines. And I, I've been there a number of times, but this trip was ex especially just tiresome. And if you've ever traveled that far, it took about 24 hours of being in airports and on airplanes before we arrived. And we arrived in Manila, which is the capital, at midnight. And so we had to find our luggage. Again, we're tired. And then we got to go outside of, of the airport and find the passengers that are waiting for us to pick us up. Well, when you go out there after midnight, you would think it would be calm and quiet. It is anything but. It is pure chaos, just a sea of people and noise and, and confusion. And, and uh, we're just trying to find our people and, and we can't find them, and we're looking around and looking around. Like a 30-minute time period goes by. Finally, um, somebody waves to us from across the street, and it's one of them. And so we finally make our way over to them, and we were just so relieved. And we put our bags into this van, and then we get in, and we've got an all-night trip to the city that we're going to, Loog City, which is in the northern part of the Philippines. So we've been traveling for 24 hours. Now we have this long van ride. We arrive, it's daytime there. We bring our stuff into this church where we're staying, and uh, they have a little classroom for us. That's where we're going to sleep, concrete floors, no mattresses. But we did have this little mat that you could roll out. Joy, you know, so uh, anyhow, that's where you're going to sleep. There's no air conditioning. It's incredibly hot and muggy. We're pretty miserable and just exhausted. You can't sleep. It's daytime. So we're out there. We're playing basketball with the folks and having a great time. Well, it happened to be New Year's Eve also. And so who goes to bed early on New Year's Eve? Nobody in the Philippines. So, and to make it even better, they have a church service, so they want to welcome in the new year through church. That's not my greatest joy. So the, uh, but here we are, we're sitting in church, and I am doing my best to stay awake. Fortunately, fireworks are going off left and right, and even coming through the window of the church, and uh, dogs are barking, and, and then after you know, the new year's rung in, fortunately, they keep going all night long. You know, the dogs are barking, the fireworks all night long, we barely sleep. I tell you all that just so you get a state of my, my mindset, right? And now I'm leading this trip, and we're going to go into these little uh, villages, if you will, and we're going to do some different things there. And I've got my team around, and I'm trying to explain to them what we're going to do. And there's this one guy. This one guy is just arguing like every single point. And I'm like, really? And, and then he's even kind of mocking me in the midst of it, which... If you know me, like, that doesn't go well with, with me. And, and so here we go, and we're out there doing things, and, and it's just, like, constant. Like, he is against me, and, and, and I'm getting really frustrated. And so that's day one, and then day two is pretty much the same. And i got to be honest with you, right now, I've kind of lost that loving feeling, if you know what I mean. Lost that loving feeling. 
Have you seen Top Gun? <laughs> if you haven't, you need to go see that. that we saw it yesterday. Fabulous. Anyhow, but I've lost this loving, I don't even know that I had the loving feeling towards this guy to begin with, but I've lost it at this point. And so then I had to make a choice. Am I going to do what I normally would do and just go talk about him to everybody else? Or am I going to confront him in a non-godly way and just have it out with him right there? And so I chose, believe it or not, to love him. And it was a choice. And I began to encourage him. And I began to ask for his input. And I invited him into the process. And then I said, why don't you lead this part? And he began to lead that. And guess what started happening? His attitude changed toward me. My attitude changed toward him. See, the action had to take place first. It wasn't based on a feeling. I wasn't feeling love towards him, but I needed to extend love to him. And once that happened, the feelings began to follow. See, we have to love like this, even when we don't feel like loving like this. That's the call. It's a debt that we owe that we will never pay off. It's not based on a feeling. And that's the call for each of us. And you can only love like this if you've experienced the love of Jesus like this. If you've embraced his love, you've invited him in, and his spirit has taken up residence in you, and now you have the ability to allow him to love through you like this. It's not natural. This is not a natural kind of love. It's a godly kind of love. But what an amazing kind of love it is that you can experience, then you can extend to others. And if you're feeling like it's a burden, well, you need to get your mind right. Focus on Jesus and how he demonstrated his love for you and considered it a joy. Not a burden, but a joy. And so when you're thinking, this is such a burden, like, I, I can never pay this thing off. i got to do this for the rest of my life. Consider it a joy. Consider it a joy that you've been chosen, you've been set apart, you've experienced this joy, this love, and you now are called and given the opportunity to love others like this. Because isn't that who we're called to be? People who live and love and lead like Jesus? We've been invited to do that. It's not a one-time thing. It's a debt that will be forever owed to others. But what a great debt it is. Let's pray. Dear God, that can be a hard one to swallow. We, we tend to be so selfish, so self-focused, so undisciplined. And yet you loved us. You demonstrated your love for us. You continue to love us. You continue to be gracious towards us. You tend to be more merciful towards us. You are so loving towards us. It's, it's more than my mind can conceive of why you would do such a thing when clearly I'm not worthy and, and really none of us are. And yet you, you love us incredibly, sacrificially, unconditionally, unending. And you invite us into that kind of love as well. So, Lord, I, I pray as we feel ourselves sort of leaning back towards those old, old ways, those conditional ways that we tend to call love, that we would um, stop and we would reflect on you and allow you, Holy Spirit, to love through us. I pray that we would be different, that we would be different 
this day and forevermore. We praise you and thank you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.